You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Come on, if you're believing for something incredible today, raise your hands up in the air. Come on. Come on, if you're believing for even more, raise both hands. Father God, we pray right now, you see every person standing with their hands raised, God. Father, we have not come here by accident. God, we have come here by purpose, Father God, and we pray, Father God, move on purpose. God, let a shift take place in this house. Lord God, let a transaction happen, Lord God. Let fear disappear and let faith arise. Father, we declare right now over every single person, whatever need it is, no matter how small or great it is, God, it's not so small that you miss it. It's not so great that you can't handle it. Father God, we pray right now, come in your power and your might. Bring your healing, bring your restoration, bring your reconciliation, bring your freedom. Lord God, those who are oppressed, Lord God, Father, lift the oppression and bring joy. Father, those that are troubled, God, bring peace in their storm. Father God, we declare whatever it is, whatever moment's going on, whatever confusion is happening, bring clarity, bring joy, bring love, bring your favour. God, we pray, let revival start right now in this house. God, we declare this is no longer an exhibition centre. This is the house of God. Spirit, we give you permission to do whatever you want to do in this place. We're hungry. We're expectant. We want something to shift. Let us walk out different to the way we came in, Lord God. Not physically, but spiritually. We ask it now in the greatest name, in the name that is above all names, in the name that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. In Jesus' mighty name. before you take your seat, look them in the eye and say, you better get ready. Turn to your other neighbour and say, he's coming for you. Amen. Bless God. Wow, wow, wow. How awesome is this? What a beautiful place. I love it. You know, I got to be honest with you. I've always watched Pastor Jem. She puts on her hashtag. She goes, leaving home to go home wherever she goes. And I realise it really does feel like that. Your land in Perth, it just feels like home. Coming into the church, it feels like home. I know a lot of people in this place here. I don't know, but then there's a lot of people I don't know. So please don't be a stranger during the conference. Come up and say hello. Amen. Just come up and say hello. You can give me a hug even. I take hugs. I'm a hugger. Is anybody here a hugger? Praise God. Just don't hug me too long. It freaks me out. No, I'm kidding. No, no. But I do love hugs. Uh, you know what, I, I, I want you to understand, if you're, you're coming for conference, you need to get ready. Oh my gosh, man. It was ridiculous. The Perth pastors were with us. We just had a blast, man. There was just, it was nuts. I mean, it wasn't even a warm-up. The first session started like a last session finishes, amen. And there was something about the 21-day fast that actually just, I don't know, they just built such a sense of expectancy. I think for myself, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time. It was probably one of the most intentional fasts I've ever had. Uh, you know, it's intentional. I was over in New Zealand doing a whole bunch of ministry. I spoke at three men's conferences over in New Zealand and they started the conference with a Brazilian barbecue. Like 50 kilos of rump steak and I'm on a Daniel fast. How many people know that's faith? I thanked them, of course, for cooking meat in front of me. I told them, I said, listen, the first person I want to speak to when I get to heaven is Jesus. Second person is Daniel. And go, why? Why vegetables? Why couldn't you fast vegetables? Amen. I mean, I love vegetarians between two pieces of bread. Not humans, you know, a cow, man. Seriously, don't freak out. But uh, you, I want you to turn your expectation up. God is, about, God is gonna do something crazy. Listen, get here early. Get as close to the front as you possibly can. Uh, as Pastor Jem said, Pastor John Hanna, unbelievable. 
unbelievable. Dr. Mike Maiden, always just ridiculous, incredible. In fact, even the way he preached is just something different. It was a crazy style message. It was just absolutely awesome. We were down the front. There was me, there was Mervyn, there was Mark. There was, we were just dancing, jumping, praising God, man. Pastor Mervyn was in the mosh pit. Yeah, come on. Are you with me? That's what happens when you get in revival, amen. Praise God. So I, I can't wait. I can't wait to be uh, in the conference tomorrow all the way through to Thursday. Going to have a blast or Wednesday it finishes. But you know, uh, Today, I better get onto my message because the title of my message is 155 Keys to Revival. We should be finished by 4.30 because we've got a five o'clock service. Amen, praise God. It's not real. But that's, uh, you know, I, I am really honoured to come and just speak to you guys. It's been such a, a, a while since I've been back and I, I really felt God give me a, a word uh, for each and every one of us. I, I, I really want to deliver it with the integrity and the authority that God's, God's put on this word. How many people know the word lives? If you're a visitor here today, you're in the right place at the right time. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you're in the right place at the right time. Let me tell you, He's more than a swear word. In fact, He's not even a swear word. The only reason why we use Jesus Christ as a swear word is because we recognise there's authority in that name. We just don't know which one it is. Amen. Come on, folks. So in this place here, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you're going to get an opportunity to meet the greatest man you'll ever meet. He is awesome. He is awesome and then some, amen. The more you get to know Him, the more you want to know Him. The more you love Him, the more you want to love Him. He will change your life, amen. Amen, He'll walk through this thing called life. He designed you. You're not a, you're not a product of evolution, my friend. You didn't just happen. You were made on purpose, amen. Amen, I tell people all the time, I don't have enough faith to believe in Darwinism. Come on, folks, listen. Bible says, Hebrew says, faith is the evidence of things yet seen, right? That's the definition of faith. Darwinism, you still have to have faith because there's an evidence of things yet seen, amen? There's still a missing link. And guess what? It's still missing. Oh, God, you guys are tough. Come on. How many people know, listen, I'm not here to mock it. I was taught evolution, but no one could answer the questions of where's the missing link. They showed me a monkey, then they showed me a man. What, did he shave? I don't, I don't get it. There was nothing in between. Does that make sense? I don't believe a monkey went, I'm sick of this hair. <laughs> Trust me, man, I've talked to monkeys at the zoo. They've got no respect for me if I'm supposed to be higher in the food chain. Come on, folks. <laughs> Praise God. But I want to stir your heart. You know, if you just open up your heart in this place here, maybe someone brought you along. Maybe someone asked you if you'd come along and now you did. You made a decision to come into this place. Let me tell you, if you would just open up your heart, and give God an opportunity. And you begin to understand, like I said, you're not an accident. You were created on purpose. You were made in the image of God. Amen. The only creature He made in His image was man. So when you try to pull yourself down and think that you're worthless, God says you're priceless. Amen. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to come into a relationship with Him in just a few moments. But you know, I want to talk to you. Uh, about this, you know, I, I'm stirred about the whole thought of revival. You know, uh, you know, you need to understand when revival happens, the fruit of revival is souls coming into the house of God. But revival is not souls. Rev that's the fruit of revival. Revival is us. Revival is when the church comes back alive again. Does that make sense? That, yeah, that, that which was dead, uh, that which was living, that has now died, God revives and brings back to life. And when revival happens in the church, trust me, you won't be able to stop people from walking in through these doors and asking, how do I get saved? That's the fruit of revival. And I don't know about you, but I've been thinking about it. You know, our whole theme for this year is revival. And, and, and so I start reading up again on revivals. And I love the stirring of the, the Welsh revival, 1904. A young man by the name of Evan Roberts starts waking up at one o'clock in the morning. And from one o'clock in the morning till 5 a.m. in the morning, he starts praying for his nation and begins to call out to God and say, God, send your power and your presence upon this beautiful nation of Wales. And God answers the prayer. And in two short years, 100,000 people get saved. Did you understand? Crime rate went down by 66% in Wales. The judges were issued white gloves because there were no hard crimes being committed anymore. So they only had to deal with white collar crimes like petty theft. They didn't have to put people into jail for maximum uh, uh, penalties because it was, the crime rate had just diminished 
Isn't that awesome? Think about this, sporting games couldn't be played anymore, not just because the spectators were in church, but so were the sports players. People weren't turning up for games. Pubs closed down. Here is brothels turned around. The prostitutes got saved and started running Bible studies in the brothels. Come on, man. How awesome is that? Coal miners couldn't work anymore because the donkeys didn't understand the new Christian language. They were used to the miners going to work, going, get your beep, 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 moving. And the donkey be like, oh, oh, and move. Now, now these, these miners are Christian and they're going, I say you hairy fellow. Won't you giddy on up? The donkey's like, I don't understand. One of the greatest things I ever heard was that men that were trying to escape their wives because they were born again would go to pubs to try and drink themselves silly. They'd order their drinks and it was written that it would, they would feel an invisible hand come over their drink and stop them from drinking. And so they'd run back home and repent before their wives and give their lives to Christ. Come on. God is moving. Do it again. Do it again. I think of people like William J. Seymour. I love the fact that his name was Willie Seymour and he was blind in one eye. (laughs) Oh, come on. You can't tell me God hasn't got a sense of humour. His name was Willie Seymour and he was blind. Come on, folks. Listen, the truth is, yes, he will see more in the resurrection. In the resurrection, he'll get both eyes back. Praise God. An African-American that wasn't even allowed to sit in the Bible college that he learned in because of the racial prejudice. So he sat in the corridor listening to the Word of God being taught. But that didn't stop him from catching the fire of God. And then one day he was offered a church that was a two-storey horse stable. He used a chicken crate as a pulpit and he preached the gospel from there in Azusa Street. And the power of God was so ridiculous that when people were trying to find the chapel, they'd, they'd walk around this area and they'd go to police officers that were on patrol and say, excuse me, can you tell me where the Azusa Street Chapel is? And the policeman would say, walk that way and you'll feel it. People would drop out blocks away from the building under the power of God and get up speaking in tongues. I mean, come on, God, do it again. Could you imagine that in Wangara, Mandra, in the new building? They don't even get near the place. Oh, come on, man. I want to see it. Revival. Thousands of people baptised in the Holy Spirit before William J. Seymour even spoke in tongues. I mean, come on. Think about that. Think about what God does. Wigglesworth, an uneducated plumber, was born again, but never baptised. He used to go and sit in conferences and the man would be speaking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he'd stand up in the middle of the conference going, oh, what are you talking about? And he caused disturbance in Christian conferences. He'd, he'd disrupt Christian meetings, asking about what's this baptism? I've got the bat. what are you talking about? And then one day he has an encounter as he's leaving a house. He goes to say goodbye to the pastor and the pastor's wife. He goes, I'm gonna go back home. Nothing's happened, nothing's changed. And they said, listen, you, you just gotta stop stressing and just receive. So they pray for him. He gets baptised in the Holy Spirit. He sends, a, he sends a telegram. Some of you guys remember that. We've got Instagram now, but you remember telegram. Amen, praise God. Okay, praise God. Sends a telegram to his wife, Polly, and says, Polly, I've been baptised in the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues, I'm coming home. And when he comes home, she says, oh, you think, you're bad? You think, you, you think you've got something that I haven't got? Get up and preach. At this point, Wigglesworth had never preached. Never preached, man. He was, not, he was a soul winner, but he was never a preacher. And so Polly says, you get in the pulpit this time. So he gets up and he preaches. And people begin to slip off their chairs under the anointing of God. Polly sits at the back of the auditorium going, that's not my Smith, that's not him. He was revolutionised. 17 people raised from the dead in his ministry. He was, he was arrested. He was arrested for healing without a licence in Sweden. People were getting healed and doctors complained. 
So he was arrested and banned from laying hands on people. And so he said, okay, from now on, I won't lay hands. And that's where mass healing started because he said, I'm not allowed to lay hands on you. Put your hand on your afflicted part of your body and I'm gonna pray from the pulpit. And it went from ones and twos getting healed to thousands getting healed. How many people know God has the final say? He said these words, he said, God, burn everything out of me and let people see only Jesus. He was the man who first said, if you want revival, you've got to paint a circle, step in the middle and say, God, let revival begin here. This is where revival starts, friends. This is where we need reviving. I need reviving, amen? Amen, I'm 54 now and I want the next 50 years to be significant, Amen. Praise God, I want, I want to make a difference. I don't believe I'm here to exist and just take up oxygen. It's not about a personality. It's not about a preference. It's about a passion. Some of you are introverted. Listen, God needs introverted evangelists. God needs introverted soul winners. God needs introverted prayer warriors. God needs introverted lighthouses that go into their community. It's not about the sound, it's about the presence. Amen, come on folks. I want revival, who wants revival? Tyler, my message real simple, it's called Revive Us. Everybody say Revive Us. Revive us. I'm going to take you to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37. When I think of revivals in the Bible, this is the one that hits me the most. Ezekiel 37 verse 1 to 14 in the ESV, the English Standard Version. It's the version that I'm hooked on at the moment right now because I'm English. Praise God. Actually, I was born in England, raised in Australia, but I was made for Asia. Praise God. Amen. I am an albino Asian. Ah, so good. Praise God. Ezekiel 37 verse 1 to 14, it says this, Then the hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel speaking, and He brought me out in the Spirit uh, of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And He led me around and among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. How many people know this is what's happening today? We're living in a valley of dry bones, amen. We've got so many people are so dry, they're looking for answers to questions on different areas. What am I? Who am I? What, do, what am I here for? We question absolutely everything. Does this make sense? We've got political correctness that has seeped into absolutely every institution that we try to set up. We've got people that question everything. You know, in university was when you were taught critical literacy, but now you're taught it when you're three years old. Critical literacy means you question everything. Now, we question our gender even at three years old. Oh, we haven't made a decision on what you are right now. Come on, folks, does this make sense? And it's crept in. We've got dry bones, people living complacency, wondering why they're even on this planet. We live in a valley of dry bones. This is something that is represented in today's day and age, just as Ezekiel was brought to a valley of dry bones. How many people know Australia? We've got a number of dry bones in this country arguing and questioning and doubting and fearing and struggling with life. Maybe you're living in a situation where it feels like dry bones. But look at this, it says this, and they were very dry. Verse three, and He, God said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh Lord God, You know. Then He said to me, Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them. And skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Man, can you see it better than a Steven Spielberg movie? Better than Hollywood could ever depict, man. Better than Raiders of the Lost Ark for us older generation. Amen. Bones coming. Can you imagine that scene? Come on, man. This is not a myth. This is reality. And I looked and behold, there were scenes on Verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy. Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. Breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as He commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Come on, folks, listen. Dry bones to an army. 
dry bones to an army. God can change your life in a moment. He can take you from a warrior to a warrior, from faithless to full of faith, from defeated to victorious. This is what He does in one moment. Verse 11, Then He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open up your graves and raise you up from your graves. O my people, I will bring you into a land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves. O my people, I will put my Spirit within you and you shall live. I will place you in your own land that you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. I don't, I don't know how you read Scripture, but I'm, I'm the type of guy when I'm reading Scripture, I'm behind the camera filming it. Come on, man, I'm just reading. This is not a maths book. This is the book of life. It lives and breathes, man. It's, it's more up to date than Apple will ever be. Amen. Come on, folks. It's not old school. It's just school. Well, when I read it, I like to get behind the camera and film. I'm following Ezekiel as he's looking at a valley of dry bones. He's seeing it. And there's three things that stick out to me as I read this passage of Scripture about revival, about what it's gonna take for us to be revived. And so I'm gonna get into it. Are you ready, church? Are you ready? See, number one, revival starts with the way you think. Revival starts with the way you think. It says this, and He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Come on, man. He's asking the question. He's asking Ezekiel, hey, can these bones live? See, revival starts with the way you think. What do you see when you look at your life? What do you see when you close your eyes? Do you see a hope and a future? Or do you see disaster and destruction? What do you see when you look in the mirror? What do you speak in this mind of yours over your life and over your situation? Because revival starts with the way you think. I'm so over people saying, oh, it's okay for that country, they've got this. It's okay. Listen, it's the same God. It's amazing how, you know what? I've discovered, and this is something God rebuked me on. You go to places like India, you go to third world countries and it's like the power of God moves incredibly. People say, well, see, that's because, you know, there's a greater need there. God doesn't respond to need, He responds to faith. If He responded to need, He'd never come here because we've got it, amen. He responds to faith and God rebuked me. He says, it's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with your expectation. What do you think? See, people come into church and they go, nothing's gonna change. Then don't get disappointed when nothing changes. Let's see what happens at the conference, man. Let's see, let's see. I'll check out this John Hanna. We'll see. I've heard it all before. Yeah, but you haven't applied it. What do you think? Revival starts here, my friends. It starts with the way you think. What do you see? Your future, your job, your relationships, your family, your health. I'm amazed at how many people seem to think that God ordained you to be a martyr for the rest of your days. Well, this is my lot in life. It's not a lot, but it's my life. Rubbish. Prosperity is not gold in the bank. Amen. So many people after gold thinking that's going to make you happy. Let me tell you, the Bible says the roads are paved with gold in heaven. So even if you've got a gold filling in your mouth, you're just wearing bitumen. (laughs) God's going, they want dirt in their mouth. I can't believe that. They want dirt in their mouth. Come on, let me ask this question. Number one, can these bones live? Can your family be saved? Can your body be healed? Can your finances change? Can a job come your way? It starts with the way you think. It starts with the way you think. We've got to get revival. What do you see when you close your eyes? Do you see hope? Do you see hope? I'm so over living with, with, oh, well, nothing's going to happen. It's amazing. Like I said, people come to church, nothing will happen. I'll get hands laid on me. All I'll do is get bold patches. Who would like to come down the front of all the hands on you and then you can walk back to your seat? No, no, no. Listen, folks, we call it an altar because when you come, you respond to the call, something alters. 
Is our God the God of the impossible or is that just for everybody else? Come on, man, I'm so hungry for change. I want change. I want God to do something new in my life today. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. I don't wanna live on yesterday's mercy if He's got something new for me today. I don't wanna live in a baptism of the Holy Spirit that I had 20 years ago. I want something new today. People say, well, nothing's happening in my life. God's doing nothing. Mm. I remember many years ago driving along in my car, singing that song, nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. And God says, do you know what that song means? I said, yep, it means nothing is impossible for you. (laughs) Obviously, I didn't do the walk because I was in the car. But I strutted, you know. And he goes, yeah, 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 but do you know what it means? I said, it means with other people, it's impossible, but nothing is impossible for you. And God goes, yeah, 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 but do you know what it means? How many people know when God asks you three times, just say no? (laughs) So I went, well, no, no, I don't. And he said, listen, nothing is impossible for me. You think I'm having a meltdown right now, don't you? Seriously, so did I. I'm going, yeah, that's what I said. No, he goes, listen, nothing, comma, is impossible for me. To do nothing is impossible for me. Some of you are saying, God's doing nothing in my life. No way in the world is that true because nothing is impossible for God. He's always doing something. He's always active. Come on, folks. We sing that song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Do you believe it? Or where's my husband? He's still making him. What do you wanna do, marry a gorilla? He's gotta refine the guy. Where's my job? Wait. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. Ask and keep. Come on, folks. There's no way in the world he's doing nothing. In fact, he's up there making it for you going, oh, you wait until you see this. This is gonna be amazing. Just hold on. It's gonna be spectacular. You don't want it before it's ready. Does that make sense? Nothing is impossible for God. The Bible tells us in Timothy that even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. Even when we lose it, God don't lose it. Come on, you ever had that point where you just give up and then God comes through and you go, oh, could you have just given me a tip? <laughs> you One day you finally just go, oh, that's it, I'm out. And the next day God goes, here you go. And you go, oh, come on. Is that just me? You gotta tell God. See, yeah, sometimes we get faithless. What do I do then? Tell God. Tell God you're struggling. Look at this, Mark chapter nine, verse 23 to 24. There's a man got a demon-possessed boy. Bible says he rolls into the water, rolls into the fire, tries to kill himself, scratches curtains, eats the cat. I don't know. (laughs) The disciples try to pray for him, nothing happens. So Jesus rocks up and goes, hey, what's going on? What's the commotion? He goes, hey, 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 hey. my son, he's demon-possessed. He goes nuts, goes crazy, manifests all the time. I asked your boys to help. They couldn't do anything. But if you can do anything, have pity on us. Jesus goes, if moi can do anything, I'm the son of God, y'all. Oh, come on, children. So he's just sitting there going, that's not in Scripture. Because I'm God. Pick it up, verse 23. It says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Look at the answer. Immediately, not six months later, not two years later after backsliding, not walking away from God repeatedly. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help me or help my unbelief. So even when you're struggling, just go to God. He already knows. We need to lose this old Pentecostal teaching, fake it till you make it. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You're not gonna fool God. Amen, just tell God, hey, I'm struggling right now. 
I know you said my family would be saved, but right now they seem further backslidden than they've ever been. And I'm struggling to believe you. Ma'am, God gave me a promise when I first got saved, my first prayer when I got born again, August 1986, 21 years old. First prayer I prayed, God saved my dad. God said yes. But it took 23 years. 23 years, man. But his yes still meant yes. How many people know during the course of that 23 years, man, my dad gave me a hard time. He's going, have you been out with your Jimmy Jesus friends again? He'd mock you. I never even knew Jesus' first name was Jimmy. I always thought it was Jesus. I had no idea. But obviously my dad knew more than me. I've been calling him Jesus and he's gone, it's Jimmy. What do you believe, man? See, it starts with what you think. Abraham was reckoned for righteousness or credited because he believed God. When, he, when God told him at 100 years old, you're gonna have a son. A 100-year-old man. His wife's 90. <laughs> do you guys have any imagination? You imagine a 100-year-old going, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah. We're gonna have a baby, baby. Sarah's like this. Get away from me. I don't seriously, come on. That takes some faith. Mervyn, I just prophesy over you and Leanne right now in Jesus' name. She had a Maharia Soko. Where's Leanne? She just ran out of the room. Ah! Come on, folks, we give God the easiest answer. We give God the Ezekiel answer. Son of man, can these bones live? What did he say? Oh, Lord, thou us know. What a cop-out answer. How many people know God wasn't asking Ezekiel so that Ezekiel could remind God that he's God? He wasn't going, oh, Lord, you know. And he goes, oh, you're right. That's right. I can do it. Jesus, we can do it. Ezekiel said it's okay. How many people know? God wasn't asking Ezekiel to see what Ezekiel thought about God. God was asking Ezekiel to see what Ezekiel thought. We do this all the time. God, you, you, you know. Of course He does. How many people know God always knows what He's doing? He's not sitting there going like this. Who should do it? Okay, I'll do it. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. John 6, verse five to six. This is the feeding of the 5,000. I love this, right? It says, as lifting up his eyes then and seeing a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, this is where Jesus plays pranks. You don't think God's got a sense of humour? It's where God goes, Jesus talking to the Father goes, I'm gonna set Peter, I'm gonna set Philip up. This is gonna be awesome. So God's got the Holy Spirit and the angels, they're going, yeah, let's watch, right? And he goes, where are we to buy bread for these people? That they may eat. Philip's running around with his calculator going, eight months wages, man. Wouldn't even buy a crumb. Oh my God. I mean, you're gonna wait eight months before you feed them. They'll be dead. Praise God. Eight months wages, right? And it says this, but he said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. How many people know God always knows what he's doing? I know the plans that I have you. Not I'm guessing it. I'm making it up as we go along. He has a plan for you. Come on, is this making sense to anybody? Jesus told Jairus and Luke, don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. Five powerful words. Can these bones live? The answer is yes. Revival starts with the way you think. Number two, revival is in what you say. Revival is in what you say. It starts with the way you think, but then it's got to move to what you say, my friends. Listen to me. Verse four, then he said to me, you prophesy over these bones. You say to them, hear the word of the Lord. My friend, listen to me. You have to speak over your bones again. Come on, folks. Some of you need to open up that mouth of yours and make a declaration. Stop waiting for another prophet to come and tell you what you already know. Come on, folks. You need to get up and go, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Body, listen to me. You will be healed. Look at these Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. These just stir me up. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Joel 3.10, let the weak. That was okay. Let the weak. Say I'm strong. Romans 8.37, yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors. I'd be happy with being a conqueror. But he says, no, 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 Maddie, more than a conqueror. Through Him who loved us. Romans 8.31, what shall we say to these things if God is for us? You gotta say it. If God is for me, 
can be against me. Come on. Greater is He. Come on, man. Say it like you mean it. Greater is He that is in me than anything that can come upon me. You got to speak to your mountain. Hear the Word of the Lord. What mountain's getting in your way? What mountain do you need to tell to get out the way? You don't have to pray like an orphan. You don't have to pray like a beggar. Speak like a son. Speak like a daughter. Walk into the house. How many people know my daughters don't come in and say, Dad, is it possible that I could just, you know, I've just been starving. I've been, I haven't eaten for three days. Could I just get a morsel from the fridge? And my clothes are torn to pieces. So I was just wondering if I could just, you know, even get a patch. My kids go in and go, hey, where's the grub? Some of us walking like this going, please, sir. Please, sir, I want some more. Give me a break. He's your father. He loves you. He adores you. Constantly, the devil's trying to shut men's mouths. All the way through the Testament, Moses, he said, I can't speak. Exodus 4, verse 10 to 11. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I had never have been. And I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who made your mouth? So why are you believing a lie? I can't speak. Come on, my friend. Come on, man, Moses, the greatest leader in the Old Testament, instant pastor from heathen to the pastor of 1.5 million people in a burning bush experience, but still went, I I, I can't talk. Some of you have been lied to and you think you can't say anything. Who am I to speak up? You're a child of God. You're a son and daughter of the Most High God. God gave you a voice. It's time for you to use it. Does that make sense? Jeremiah said this, I'm but a youth. In Jeremiah 1, 16, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Don't be afraid of the people. For too long, the church, the Christian has been too quiet. I'm a silent witness. Well, guess what? No one can hear you. We've got to open up our mouths. We've got to start speaking up. When you speak up, see, when you speak up, you really put your neck on the line, don't you? Mandra is going to be saved. This house will be full. My family are going to be born again. When you make the declaration, people go, ooh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. See, when you vocalise it, it changes the atmosphere. Does this make sense? Come on, you need to understand. Ezekiel, he had to speak again. The Bible says that the flesh, the bones and everything came together, but no life was in him. So what did he have to do? Speak again. Some of you haven't seen what you were believing for. So it's time for you to speak again. It's time for you to say, I see something happening, but it's not complete yet. It will come to pass. With my dad, I used to say to him, Dad, mum's up. My my mum passed away before dad, she gave her life to Christ. I watched her mouth the sinner's prayer in one of my messages. She wasn't allowed to go to church. She was of the generation that weren't, didn't drive, so only driven by the husband. So she couldn't go to church, but she gave her life to Christ. God confirmed it to me over and over again. I remember going to visit my dad years later. I said, you know what? Mum's up there with heaven. And my dad said a few curse words about she better be or she's gonna deal with God, which was interesting. <laughs> I said, well, she's definitely there. And he goes, well, I just wanna be with your mother. I said, well, mum's up with Jesus, but you're not up with Jesus at the moment. And I said, so I have no problem. You just give your life to Christ and I'll pray God takes you now. I'm a son, I can say that, amen, praise God. But I said, but until I know where you're going, you're not going anywhere, old man. He used to come and watch me preach, man. I'd do the Salvation Order call and he'd sit there going, and I'd go, yeah. Everybody else's head's about, he's just looking at me going, I'm going, you stubborn old mule. I didn't say it, but I thought it, you know what I'm saying? How many people know there's flesh, there's bones, there's sinews, it gets a bit messy before the miracle. Come on, folks. How many people know it stunk before Lazarus came out? How many people roll away the sign? But Lord, he stinketh. Come on, folks. You need to understand sometimes the stink is a sign of miracles on the way. Amen. Come on, folks. Maybe you were believing for healing, but your back hurts today. Oh, I'm closer to the miracle. Maybe you were believing for finance and you got another bill. Oh, I'm close to the miracle. I love the fact that God said, 
Lazarus, come forth. He said it with a shout. You know why he had to say Lazarus? Because if he just said, come forth, all the dead would have come out of their graves. He had to name the one person. He was going, not everybody else, just Lazarus, come forth. If he had said, come forth, all the dead would have gone. There may be a little bit of mud in your eye before you see. There may be a shipwreck before a miracle. But my friend, you need to get a hold of this. It starts with the way you think. It's got to go into what you say. Is this making sense to anybody in this place here? Lastly, revival isn't what you do. Revival isn't what you do. Verse 12 and onwards, it says, Therefore prophesy, say to him, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open up your graves and raise you up from your graves. O my people, he's calling them the house of Jerusalem. Go back to your nation, he tells them. I want to bring you back to the land of Israel. I want you to declare my wondrous works that I am the Lord God. How many people know it starts with the way you think? It's got to move to what you say, but then it comes a point where you have to do something. It's not enough to talk Christianity and not walk it. Too many people know how to talk faith, but they don't walk faith. And there comes a point where you just have to action it, man. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Come on, see, James tells us, it says, James 2 verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is what? It's dead. This is the Word of God. The book of Acts is my favourite book of the Bible. You know why I love the book of Acts? Here's the deep teaching on why the book of Acts is called the book of Acts. It's called the book of Acts because the apostles acted on the Word of God. There's no other deep acronym. They acted on the Word of God, so they said, let's call it the Book of Acts. Otherwise, it'd be called the Book of I Was Gonna. <laughs> let's turn to the third chapter of I Was Thinking About It. Or the 15th chapter of I'll Just Fast and Wait on the Lord. No, no, no. He acted on the Word of God. That's why it's called the Book of Acts, because the apostles took the Word of God and they appropriated it. We got action, it means going to church when you don't feel like it. It amazes me how many Christians walk away from the church when they're going through a hard time and how many atheists come to church when they're going through a hard time. It means praying and praising even when you don't feel like it. It's evangelism, evangelising to the lost. Stepping out of the boat, man. It's about making a stand when everybody else is bending. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, shake the bed, make the bed and into bed we go. That's how I always remember their names. Nebuchadnezzar's on a power trip with a big statue of himself. The Bible says at the sound of music, the hills could become alive. No, that's a Julie Andrews movie. Okay, praise God. Okay, it says at the sound of music, everybody had to bow and bend, but they wouldn't bow and bend. And so he said, I'm going to do it one more time. I'm going to play music. And listen, you need to bow, you need to bend because if you don't, I'm going to throw you into a furnace. You'll become the first human (laughs) Pop-Tarts. Do you do not think like this? This is how I think, you know. But they said this, they said, oh, King, live forever. You know, you you can read this in Scripture in Daniel, right? It says, oh, King, live forever. Uh, Our God is able to deliver us. But even if He doesn't, know this, we will not bow. And we will not bend. Come on, my friend. He said, even if they didn't, even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow, we're not going to bend. Some of us, man, we've got to start actioning again. I love it. I remember reading a story about an evangelist that brought up 13 people in wheelchairs. And they had the worship music playing and he went up to the first person. He goes, rise, pulled up the guy and the guy goes, hey, and fell over. So he stepped over and went to the next person. You, rise and walk. The guy said, hey, bush. So he stepped over, went to the third person. Rise, walk. How many people know by the time you're in the fourth wheelchair, you'd be going, I'm okay. (laughs) And if I'm the evangelist, I'll be going, get them off, get them off. Hallelujah. Get them off, get them off. What's it to you? Amen. When was the last time he actioned? But you know what? He prayed for the other nine. They all got out of the wheelchair and walked. What if he stopped? What if he stopped? Galatians reminds us, don't go weary in doing good because in due time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Some of you are this close to your miracle. John G. Lake, the story of John G. Lake, where, I mean, he was recorded, his Bible college, his KLA. Your assignment was he'd give you a cancer patient that was about to die. 
and he'd say, here's the details, here's their address, go and heal them. That was your assignment. That's how you passed. In the state that he lived in, there were over 100,000 medically recorded miracles and it was declared the healthiest state in the USA. Amen. One time he's sitting there in a hospital and a man's got all this disease riddled through his leg. His leg's being eaten away by this, this disease. And so he tells the doctors, put some measuring things on there so you can measure what's going on in the leg. And he says, just leave enough room for my hands. And then all these sceptics and reporters came and he laid hands on this, on this man's leg and he began to pray. And then he said to the surgeons, what's happening? And they said, according to the machines, every part of this man's leg is responding to your prayer. He said, did you understand? It's time for that to happen again. Does that make sense? When was the last time that you actioned your faith? Smith Wigglesworth, 17 people raised from the dead. A deformed baby brought on the stage, he kicked it. And when it landed, it was healed. Now, number one, you better know that's God. I am not suggesting you follow that pathway. Smack cancers off of people and they'd sweep them out at the end of meetings. He went to a funeral, 17 people raised from dead, including his wife. I love it. He went and saw his wife laying dead on, the hospital, uh, on, on his bed. And he goes, he raises her. She gets up and she goes, what are you doing? It's my time to be with Jesus. And he goes, but I need you, Polly. And they have a bit of a talk and he goes, okay, off you go. And she died again. I mean, my God, that's crazy, right? But he went to a viewing. You need to understand, he went to a viewing one time and everybody's walking past going, rest in peace, you know, crying, putting a flower on this body. You know what Wigglesworth does? He gets up, he grabs the woman that's laying in the coffin and he pulls her out. How many people know that's, that's not usual? You mean you're sitting there going, what's he doing? Pulls her up and he jams her up against the wall, holding her by the throat and he goes, death, let go. And he doesn't say that once, he says it four times. Holding up a corpse, death, let go. And on the fourth time, she goes, <coughs> and comes back to life. How many people know, put the lid on the coffin, it's party time. Come on, man. Where are the boat jumpers? Where are the resurrected Christians? Where are the world shakers? Where are the life changers? Where are the ones that live what they speak? Do it again, God. Do it again, musicians, you can come. I wanna stir your faith. Too many batons have been left in the sand by revivalists that have passed us and no one's picked them up. Catherine Coleman, people would line up to get in a 7 p.m. Catherine Coleman meeting at 7 a.m. 7 a.m., we can't even get people to church on time. Amen, come on, folks. Don't get upset, it's truth. They line up at 7 a.m., man. They're running like it was a stock take sale at some shopping mall, trying to get the front rows. She'd be dry, wearing these big orange flowing gowns, man, that had sleeves hanging down. And this microphone that was draped around her neck like this, orange mane of hair. She had the deepest voice. She'd go, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. She had the craziest voice, man. And right in the midst of that, people would get out of wheelchairs. No one praying for them. And they'd start wheeling their wheelchair up. And she'd be preaching, there'd be a pile of crutches on this side. There'd be wheelchairs on this side. Oh, come on, man. When was the last time? I'm so sick and tired of reading it. Why can't it happen here in Western Australia? Why can't it happen right here, right now? Why can't there be a move of God? Why can't we see cancer flee, bodies resurrect? Why can't we see your family saved? We need a move. We need a move. We need a move. We're gonna pray in just a moment. Everybody take your seats. Let me tell you, the greatest miracle of all is people getting born again. There is no greater miracle. My friends, you can get to heaven with cancer, but you can't get to heaven without Jesus. And ultimately, we wanna believe for healing in people's lives. We want the pain taken off of you. 
We want the depression taken off of you. We want the loneliness taken off of you. But I tell you, first and foremost, we want to introduce you to Jesus Christ. And some of you in this place are saying, aren't I good enough? Listen, if good enough was good enough, why did Jesus have to die on a cross? Why did my God have to suffer so much? If good was good enough, it's not good enough, man. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this stupid country of ours, and I love this place, Australia, we turn sin into a filthy word. We think it means you're a murderer or the most evil person. Sin means you're separate from a righteous God. Sin is pure, you're just separate from a righteous God. Of course, there's different things, but sin means you're separate from a righteous God. People say it's unfair. It's not got nothing to do with fair and fair. Fair is just so, it's a, a matter of your perspective. A God never promised fair. He said He's just. God loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only thing that He could love more. His one and only Son. It wasn't a multiple choice. He didn't say, angel, you're, getting, you're ticking me off. You go. No, He says He sent His one and only Son. And His one and only Son, Jesus, God, said, I'll do it. And this is the part, this is what I'm saying, that whosoever believes in Him won't perish, but they'll have everlasting life. Your body has an expiry date, but your spirit lives on forever. One day we're gonna unzip this and we're gonna step into eternity. And eternity is waiting for you. Jesus is trying to lift up your head and remind you that you're not worthless, you're priceless. The value God put on your life was His Son. That's how much He loves you. And people in this place here, you're saying, but I've, I've been going to church all my life. That, that's a great start, but that doesn't make you a Christian. Carrying a big Bible doesn't make you a Christian. It's also a good start. Wearing a cross around your neck doesn't make you a Christian. Jesus never wore a cross around His neck. He had it on His back. It's not a piece of jewellery. It's an instrument of torture. God baptised as a child, also wonderful, doesn't make you a Christian. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth, not someone else do it for you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There is no other way. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.